Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Father, I pray for all of us as we gather together or separately to worship you all over this region. Father, I thank you that we long to know more of you. And so, Father, I pray for your anointing, whether we're speaking or whether we're listening, Lord, that we have your anointing to understand who you are and who we are in you. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at this scripture today. It's Luke chapter 9 and verse 12 to 17. It says, When the day was almost over, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to nearby villages and countryside and find lodging and food because we're in a deserted place. He replied, You give him something to eat. But they said, We have no more than five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. They said this because about 5,000 men were present. Jesus said to his disciples, seat them in groups of about 50. They did so and everyone was seated. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate until they were full and the disciples filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. Now, if you spent any time in Sunday school or church holiday clubs, you will have heard that story. And Luke doesn't say where the food came from, and neither does Matthew, but John does in John chapter 6 and verses 8 and 9. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Now, regardless of which gospel you read this story, you can see that Jesus was challenging his team about the degree that they could believe God to provide. It's getting late. It's been a hectic day. They're in a backwater and there's no McDonald's and no coffee shops. Jesus, being totally unreasonable as he often was and still often is, said, you give him something to eat. Now, imagine you're in the back blocks of Cessnock or the Royal National Park and it's been a full-on day of preaching and praying and you've been doing crowd control and honestly, you don't really care about those 5,000 people. You just want something to eat and you want an early night because it's been a big day and it's going to be another big day tomorrow. And then Jesus, who you follow because you want to be like him, tells you to feed thousands of people. Now, imagine you were at Merryweather Beach on a very sunny Saturday and look how many people are there. That's who you've got to feed and you've got nothing to feed them with. And so it's impossible except that you know Jesus well enough to know that this is not the end of the story. So you try to work out what to do. You ask around and so do the other guys, but it's a bit half-hearted because no one, no one, expects that there's going to be enough food there to feed anyone. Now, sometimes people say to me, you know, I can't really get anything out of the Bible. It doesn't really relate to me. If you sit down when you're reading your Bible with a pen and paper and ask questions of the Bible and think about what you would do, it starts to relate a lot more. And so these boys are asking around and then this little kid comes up to Andrew and probably he tugs at his 
his tunic and he says, hey, mister, I've got lunch. You can have my lunch. Now, I don't know whether you've ever been with your kids and you're talking about a big bill that needs to be paid and you're trying to work out where you're going to get the money from. And one of the kids comes up and says, here's my money box. I got a dollar twenty-seven. You can have that, and you just think dollar twenty-seven isn't going to cut it, kid. You know, and so Andrew probably wants to roll his eyes at this kid and tell him to shut up, because the sooner they can come up with nothing and legitimately go to Jesus and say we haven't got anything, the sooner they can tell the crowd to go home and get their own dinner, which is what they probably should have done in the first place: take responsibility for feeding themselves. But, of course, the disciples also know Jesus well enough to realise that they need to tell him about those few loaves and fish, even though they know it's futile. So here's a boy. He's got five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go amongst so many? That's, that's what the word is. And then this amazing miracle happens right before their eyes and right before the little boy's eyes but not right before the crowd's eyes. The crowd only knows that their hungry bellies have been satisfied. And sometimes when God does a miracle using our meagre little contribution, it's only the people up closest and most desperate who really know what amazing things just happened. Now let me ask you this. There's more than 5,000 people there. Matthew says that there were 5,000 men plus women and children. Do you think that little kid was the only one who brought his lunch? I absolutely give you a bet that out of 8,000 people, there could not have been only just one mum who said to her boy, I've made your lunch, it's in the fridge, don't forget to take it in the morning. Or who said to her boy, don't forget to make your lunch tonight because you're going to be leaving early in the morning and you need to make sure that you've got it before you go. Loads of people bought their lunch that day. I'm absolutely sure of it. Just think of your own families. Out of five to 8,000 people, maybe there were several hundred people who bought their own lunch, but only one person contributed what they had, and it was that little boy, and this is the thing. What he brought was enough. Just let that sink in. He had hardly anything, but what he had was enough to trigger a massive miracle. It was astonishing. Now, I want to link this with another story. It's in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, and I'm not going to read it because it's long and many people know it, and if you don't, I'm just going to give you a summary and you can read it later. It's about a rich guy who was going away for a while, and he called three of his servants to him And he gave them some gold to invest for him, not just to invest, but to invest for him. So one got five bags, one got two bags, one got one bag. And it says that the rich guy knew how much each of them could handle. So he made sure that what he gave them suited their capacity to carry it. Now, I've always had a problem with that story because it seems to be saying that people with lots of skills tend to be more trustworthy with their abilities But that's not actually true and that's not what Jesus was saying. This story isn't about what you've got but about what you do with what you've got. Now, I am strictly a one-talent person. I'm a communicator. I can't organise my way out of a paper bag. 
I love to be creative, but I do not have the detail awareness that comes with true art. I quite like knitting and the knitting itself is okay. But when I try to put it together, any resemblance to an actual jumper is purely coincidental Unless, of course, you've got one arm that's like five centimetres shorter than the other and you don't mind that the back gets pulled down so that it's, it fits the front part, right? I'm not that kind of detailed person. When we'd been married for a little while and I knew my husband was really busy, I started to have a go at mowing the lawn for him. Well, the second time I mowed the lawn, he took me to the window and turned me to face it and he said, the lines aren't straight. I'm like, but I mowed it like the grass is mown. He said, thank you. I really appreciate it. Please don't mow the lawn again. And so that kind of tells you a bit about what I'm like. Sometimes when people can communicate, you attribute to them all sorts of other great gifts that they completely don't have. Now, I was born a communicator. You know, my grandparents who were of the gramophone days used to call me needles and they used to say I'd swallowed a box of needles because I talked so much, right? And as a communicator, I used to use my gift on myself. So I was my favorite topic of conversation and it was all about me and my opinions and my needs and my complaints. And when I became a Christian, God began to talk to me about who he wanted me to be and who he created me to be. Now, I didn't know that meant he wanted me to preach or to write, and it didn't at that stage either, but I knew he was asking me to reorder what I communicated and the way that I communicated it, and he wanted it to be less about me and more about other people. He wanted less drama queen and more honest communication. He wanted less opinionizing and more understanding. He wanted less talking and more listening. And the thing was that I really wanted God to use me and I would have loved to have been a worship leader, but I struck out at the first hurdle. However, I found more determined that I was to give my one talent to God rather than try to get him to give me other better talents like being able to sing, for example, the more he was able to use this little one talent that I had and the more he realised it the more I realized how important it was not to lean on the talent but to lean on the God who gave the talent so that this one talent could become more of a godly thing and not something that I used to make myself feel more important. Now, my five loaves and two fish were a love of language, a love of words, a love of people, a, a, a desire for a clear message, making sure that people were seen and heard and understanding that words could be used to build people and not tear them down, to help them know how valuable they were, not where they missed the boat. And the honest truth is, it wasn't much. Not compared to the many millions of other Christians like you who are all doing their best to serve the Lord. But even though it wasn't much, it was what I had to contribute. It was my five loaves and my two fish. You see, the story about the gold is not the bags of gold. It's not about the person with the five and the person with the two being higher caliber people than the person with the one. I've often wanted to rewrite this same story and turn it on its head and make it that the rich guy gave five bags of gold to one person and two bags to another and one to another. 
And the five, one with the five went off after fame and fortune because five, right? They were drop dead gorgeous, had a great voice. They were really good at business, highly intelligent, and they knew all the right people. So they got really rich and famous. And the person with the two bags became an Instagram influencer and then shot to stardom in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So there's those two. And then the one with the one talent just got involved and began to look for ways to help and to encourage other people with their measly little one bag of one talent. And they supported and they encouraged. And they kept asking the Lord how he wanted them to use what they had. And he kept showing them. And in the process, and here's the miracle, the bag of gold just never ran out. It was always enough, even though it was still just one bag. It was always enough. And so when the rich guy came back, he found that the one with the two and the one with the five didn't have anything to show for it because instead of investing it for him, they used it up on themselves, on their own fame and fortune and comfort and pride. But the one with the one talent had this never-ending supply. There was always enough as long as they kept asking God how to use it. You know, I look at people like Beyonce and Katy Perry and Elvis Presley who began by living pretty much the same faith as you and I do, using all the same language as we do. But the more their talents became about them, the less about the giver of the talents it was. Now, that's just not singers and entertainers. That's anybody, business people, medical people, politicians, educators, any sector of society. We all have our abilities and our giftings, and we were born with them. Some of us have got more, some of us have got less. But what we have came from God, and he gave it to us to be used by him as we work alongside him to build his kingdom. One of my life scriptures is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And it speaks to me how every one of us have been designed and then equipped for his plans and purposes. And then we get the choice to use that equipment for the, his purposes or for our purposes. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So every one of us is made in the image of God and we all reflect parts of him. But we can only reproduce tiny fragments of who he is. Some of us can manage a little more. Some get one major ability. Some get two or five or whatever, according to our capacity to carry that tiny part of who he is. He created us in that way to reflect an infinitesimal aspect of himself so we can do specific good works that he prepared beforehand for us to do. Now, it became clear quite soon that he did not create me to be someone who leads the saints in worship when I sing like a crow. Okay, so there's that. There's no point in him getting me to redesign and beautify the auditorium the way that it is right now because the organisation behind that project is massive. Those are not the good works that God prepared for me to walk in in advance. But he put the voice for worship in stew and in clay and he put the design and the organisation capacity in Rachel and Rachel. You know, maths for me 
are mutually incompatible. We just don't really get on. But he did prepare that role beforehand for Jeff Ford to do. So that's why Jeff does the church finances. You're watching this because Mark is a genius with filming and Jesse is absolutely amazing as an editor and Anna is an organisational and artistic mastermind. We were made to contribute. We were made to belong. We were made to be involved and to give what we have to make the Church of Jesus Christ beautiful and strong and clean and full of joy. Now, this is a season when people all over the world, all over the West, and even including the Church of Jesus Christ, are under major attack. Our sense of belonging and our sense of purpose is being fragmented, and for good reason, because if we can be separated from each other, if differences of opinion and cynicism become our main thing, we will no longer be able to bring our little lunch to the party and the miracles that God could have done will be null and void because it's not about what you have, it's about what you do. So when that little boy came to Andrew and said, hey, mister, you can have my lunch, he was the symbol of you and me. We are created in God's image, but we often doubt that we've really got what it takes or that what we can give is all that important. We doubt how anything that we can contribute is going to really make any difference. In the deepest parts of our heart, we want to make the difference, but it's not a difference that the world sees. The world sees the difference when we've got our name in lights or we're flying in business class or we're living the Instagram dream. But, you know, and that actually even might happen. It may or it may not, but it's not the aim of our little packed lunch. The Church of Jesus Christ is an organism not an organisation. That means it's alive and it's blooming. It's buzzing with life and energy. It is awash with grace and love. And the difference that we make with our little packed lunches contributes far beyond anything that we could ever know to the nourishment and to the invigoration of the church, enabling it to go the distance in this stage of the journey, the stage that we are alive and responsible for. See, in 2050, you're probably not going to be able to give anything very much. I definitely won't. And you didn't give anything all that much in 1930 either. But this is our stage and this is our season where we bring our little packed lunch to contribute to what the Church of Jesus Christ is called to be in 2022. And so the little boy, you know, nobody's ever going to know that kid's name. And probably nobody's ever going to know our names on earth either. But that doesn't matter. What did matter was the difference that it made to the 8,000 people. So we know now that story and that possibility and the way God can use what we bring, even though we don't know that kid's name. And the reason is because he bought what he had. Other people might have had chicken salads and white wine. They might have had hamburgers and chips. They might have miso salad, posho and rice. They could have had anything. But none of that has any relevance to us because they weren't brought to Jesus to be used. It was the five loaves and two fish that not only brought glory to God, but it also brought the nurture and encouragement to people who wanted to understand who Jesus could be to them, which is why they were out there in the back blocks in the, in the first place. Now, 
We are surrounded by crowds both inside and outside the church. It's people who are trying to work out how Jesus can be relevant to their life, their problems in the COVID world, in the world where petrol costs, like you have to take out a mortgage, in a world where nothing is safe. We're surrounded and we are those people. We're part of the crowd, but we're also part of the disciples. We're the disciples that Jesus says, hey, guys, have you got something for these people to eat? And we think, I've only got the lunch I packed. You know, it's not much. It's definitely not going to go around all these people. See, some thought that what they had wasn't enough. Some, and so they didn't even bother contributing. Some were worried that if they gave what they had, there wouldn't be anything left for themselves and they might go without. Some might have thought that people would laugh at them and think their lunch was stupid or meager or inadequate or different. But all of those people, even though they didn't give what they had, were all fed by the two fish and the five loaves because the miracle was meant for them as well. Just because they didn't give doesn't mean they didn't receive. It's just that they missed out on the grand sense of amazing satisfaction and fulfilment of knowing that what they brought had triggered a miracle. They missed that. They didn't miss the miracle. They just missed knowing that they contributed to the miracle. And this is just one more point that I want to make. Before the food was distributed, Jesus blessed it and then he broke it, just like he did when he had communion with the guys on the day before he was crucified. And there are two aspects to that. One is that more often than not, what we bring comes out of our own brokenness, our own loss, our own inadequacy, our own confusion, our own discouragement. But if we bring it still, God can do something amazing because When we bring it, even though we've been broken in the bringing, the Lord is able to bless it. And when the Lord blesses it, it miraculously becomes a source of nourishment and encouragement. You know, I don't have all that much, but what I do have, I give to you. And what you have, you give to us. And the body of Christ in all its broken places, is nurtured and sustained and encouraged and supported and developed and it grows to the glory of God, all because we have given the thing that God designed into the very core of our being back to him so he can trigger a miracle and feed the people. And that's why it's not overwhelming when Jesus says, You give them something to eat because actually we don't think that much of what we've got. But given to God, it undergoes this amazing metamorphosis. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus with these little abilities and these little gifts which just reflect a tiniest, tiniest particle of who you are. And you put them into us so that we would be able to trigger the miracle of church growth and church strength and church love and church ability to serve you 
and to serve the people in this world. And so, Father, we come to you again now. We lift it up to you. We give it to you. It's only tiny, Lord. It's pretty inadequate. But, Lord, we just thank you in advance for the miracle that you do when we bring what we have to you and you take it and make it into something astonishing. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.